0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Brad and I'm joined today by James again. How are you doing, James? I am doing great. How are you today? Doing well. Well, today, James, uh, we have maybe my favorite, not maybe, definitely my favorite guest of all time joining us. You want to introduce uh, who we're interviewing today? Yeah,
1: I am really excited. Today, we have Marcy and Brad with us today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My favorite was the Marcy, but yeah, but I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> I get,
1: I get double favorites. Yeah, so I've been really excited today. We're going to switch you from the uh, the host role to the interviewee role uh, with your lovely bride, and we can uh, explore a little bit about your story. You have some some uh, great things in both of y'all's stories that I thought would be really good uh, for our listeners. I enjoyed hearing them, and some of them I wanted to dig into myself. Um, Part of it, just to begin with, Brad, I wanted to hear your salvation story a little bit, and I don't want the—I don't want the thirty-second succinct. You meet somebody on a train, and you have this, you know, fixed time to hit something. I want to dig a little deeper, and, and part of that is because of the age that you came to faith. Um, a lot of us, or at least myself, you know, I came to faith as a little kid. I think Marcy's experience was similar, um, but yours was not. And part of that fascination, I was reading a Nick Ripkin book, and he was talking about uh, Hindus and Muslims, and he was saying, you know, like Muslims, they had this this pretty clear pattern for how they were coming to faith in the country he was in. You know, his dreams and visions, miraculously get a Bible, read through it four or five times, um, miraculously meet a Christian, become a, become a believer. Where the Hindus, it was like somebody got healed, someone got healed, and uh, I believe I may not know anything but somebody got healed, and I had like when I was reading that I had just experienced that I'd I'd went um, to a country in South Asia that was Hindu and and uh, did a discipleship training school and taught for a week there and that you know eighty percent of the kids who were there that was their story. But then I was teaching them a story cloth and like they only knew the creation story in the Old Testament. They knew, knew they didn't know a single other story. So. I'm making a short story long. So Nick says in his book, he says, you know, this, there's a clear pattern. And if you can get it, you can see what God's doing, like get involved with it. And he said, you know, but most people, if you ask most pastors in America, I'm not sure if they would be able to tell you what God is doing to bring adults to faith. And I was like, that's very true. So anyway, let, let, let me, with that preface, uh, tell us a little bit about about how how'd you grow up? What did you believe growing up?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm happy to share my story. Thank you for asking. Um, so, growing up, we were essentially a non-religious family. So we didn't, you know, we weren't involved in church or anything like that. So, I pretty much by the time I was a teenager, I had uh, decided I was an atheist. You know, that I just didn't believe in those kinds of things. And uh, praise the Lord, He, af- you know, after sort of uh, making this very definitive. De- decision that that was going to be my religious affiliation, Uh, I ran into a guy in high school who began to share with me as well. I was uh, on the cross-country team with him, and he really challenged some of the misconceptions I had. And uh, just, I mean, I can't say what a profound impact he had. I was involved a little bit with a group called Young Life, went to some of their meetings and a, a couple of camps that they did. So around that time that my uh i moved to another to another state and so uh that you know that pursuit at least on my end kind of was paused now the lord had not paused his pursuit mm-hmm. uh but uh you know I, I i kind of put that on the side and then i went to college okay. and so, um,
1: so let me ask you this so this this friend mm-hmm. of yours that shared uh what was that like were you already friends was it kind of adversarial Um What did you think about him sharing with
0: you? Um, He had, there was a relationship there. We ran cross country together. So, you know, we were friends. He was an upperclassman. I was uh, a freshman at the time we met. And I mean, he just, yes, he, him, the things he believed, I didn't agree with, but he really loved me and was kind. And, you know, just, you could see the difference in his life. And so that, that bought all the relational capital he needed with me. Mm-hmm. And so I was willing to talk to him. Now, you know, sometimes I would say, well, what about this? Well, What about science? You know, I was, I was trying to really push him and and find the the flaws, but he was very, very kind and patient. And so, okay. um,
1: gotcha. Yeah. So, you So you went to, went to college, still mm-hmm. an atheist.
0: Um, no, I think at that point I was sort of open to the, you know, I, I felt like, yeah, that, that those things are probably true. I just haven't really fully committed my life to christ and you know really the that the sort of lordship element of that i thought after those experiences with my friend i thought jesus was pretty cool and uh you know that there was probably a god and all that but just hadn't really making him lord made him lord of my life Mm -hmm. um and so one day i was coming out of the cafeteria at the school there and there was a booth for a christian group down at the bottom of the stairs and uh just I, I think the Lord's prompting went up and started talking to them, and they invited me to a Bible study, and that really began uh, the process. That by the second, that was my first semester, and it was by the second semester, uh, I I really gave my life to Christ mm-hmm. and uh, received Him in that way.
1: What What made you decide, if you can remember, like what made you decide, like, okay, this is true. Like, you know, I I was raised all my life kind of believing something different.
0: I think it was a combination of factors. One was just um, the the sort of apologetic side of it that was pretty significant for me, and just seeing that there is this isn't blind faith that there actually is some substantial things uh, mm. to our faith, and they're not uh, it's not foolishness or anything like that. Um, so that was a part of it. I read a number of books and just discussions. I think the other was just seeing the difference that Christ makes in people's lives. Mm-hmm. I, I had seen several people who seemed, they weren't just nominal Christians, they were really walking with the Lord. And it just seemed to make a, a, a difference in how they treated people, the peace that they had in their lives. That was really compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just sensing the Lord's drawing me to himself, it's it kind of intangible to explain some mm-hmm. of it, but there's yeah. several factors like that.
1: Yeah. So then once you... Once you made that decision, you kind of came to, t- came to that solid conclusion. Uh, what happened then? How did your life begin to change? Uh, who, start, who started pouring into you? What were you poured into?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was involved uh, with the campus ministry there, and there were several. Again, it was kind of the same deal. I was a freshman. There were several upperclassmen who began to connect with me. Uh, one's name was Tom. Uh, just several people like that Kevin was my campus minister and he had a, a tremendous impact as well and so um, I think just being involved in that community where other people were pursuing Christ uh, you know I know we we all know this but any sort of pursuing Jesus by yourself is is a recipe for disaster and so I think before that I, I, you know I was kind of interested but I was sort of doing everything on my own and it really took being part of that community and and that that spurring on that change really changed my trajectory Mm
1: -hmm. what's your what's your family think about all this as you went through these changes
0: uh I mean they were pretty just sort of our family philosophy was kind of live and let live you know they if this is what you want to do they they weren't you know they didn't really have strong opinions but um I think they were a little bit worried I was getting involved in some cult or something at first you know just the, the amount of Commitment and involvement—it seemed more than what they would have seen as a you know a typical religious person going to church once a week. I seemed like I seemed like I was going above and beyond that, which seemed a little strange to them.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. So then, how did you get? How did you get? Uh, what was the next transition? So you were in. You're in college a couple of years. What first mm-hmm. got you overseas? How did that come about?
0: Well, I think a lot of it was that story that, that I just shared. I mean, I saw people who went out of their way. Right, anytime we we want to spend time with non-believers and walk them through all these questions and you know disagreements and stuff like that, it, it just it, it's not uh, it's not easy. And so I saw people who could have been doing other things that would have been a lot you know more fun maybe <laughs> than holding my hand through this you know arduous process. But they went out of their way. They they took the time. Um, and reached out to someone who was far from God, who came you know, came from a background where I was not a Christian, and so I just as I started hearing about unreached people groups and this the whole idea of you know greater access to the gospel that was really compelling to me that I wanted to be someone who would do that very thing would reach out to those who were far from God, and I went on a, a short term trip when I was uh, this is after my sophomore year uh, to East Asia, and that was very eye opening. And so as I got closer to graduating, there was this opportunity to go overseas for two years, actually through our very organization here um, and uh, in partnership with another organization. And uh, yeah, just I don't know that my motives were 100 percent pure, but I, there was you know a, a desire to go reach people who didn't know Christ. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And what was what was your what was your did, did you do two years? Did you wind up doing three
0: um, I did too. I, I met this uh, really cute girl at my orientation. And uh, so then after those two years, we kind of got together and did it Did it as a couple. Okay. But, uh, that's probably another story that you want to ask yeah. her about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a story. Uh, and I'll I'll back up to that in just a minute. What was your two-year experience like? I know having talked to you a lot of times, you emphasize language a lot. Did you dive mm-hmm. into language then? Did that happen later? What kind of fruit and relationships yeah. did you see
0: i was a full-time language study, uh, student at a campus and i think that was maybe the best now that i don't know that i was strategic in that it was just what the team asked me to do but uh one of the best decisions i ever made you know i think a lot of people go out and jump into something language student isn't that exciting it's not like i created a business or i did you know mm-hmm. medical work or something like that which those are great things But I think. Um, having that dedicated time to just study language was invaluable. I wouldn't wouldn't change that aspect of it mm-hmm. for anything. I, I look back at that time and I think, you know, you come out of, you're coming right out of college. You often think like, oh, I'm, I'm really mature. I look back at myself <laughs> and I think there was uh, some very, some growing pains as I was overseas. I was great. I'm really grateful that I had an incredible supervisor who really uh, helped me, guided me through some of those immature things that i was doing and you know being an immature teammate sometimes
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i feel like a supervisor who you have makes a lot a lot of difference overseas Mm -hmm. um did you see a lot of fruit during that time um
0: no i mean not probably in the traditional sense of that you know it's always hard to know what's happening kind of in the invisible kingdom of god but um you know, good relationships, relationships actually that have lasted to, to this day, pretty much. Uh, and so there was uh, fruit in terms of great opportunities to share with people who never, and, and be in places that probably no one had ever proclaimed the gospel or very few proclaimed the gospel. So I think that those opportunities were very fruitful, but in terms of, you know, many coming to faith and that sort of thing, uh, you know, not not so much.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of that depends on the The measure of success depends on the field you're in, like what level of what level of harvest it's already at, um, where God's working at that. Um, And I would say. Just comparing to some of my own experience, more time at language, it it's uh, it feels like a slower start, but boy, it gives you a leg up later, Um, It makes everything else easier. Um, So let's let's back up now to your to your better half, our favorite guest today. Marcy, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get? Um, how did you get to the point where you met the lovely Brad? And uh...
2: sure, James, I'd be happy to. Um, well, my background story is very different than Brad's. I did grow up in a Christian home, a uh, mom and dad who took me to church a lot, a mom and dad who I saw. Um, vivid memories of seeing my dad and my mom uh pouring over their bible with a cup of coffee there but um just a solid christian home um so it was not so until i got to college that i really began thinking hmm getting on an airplane and going to a place i don't really even know where it is like maybe maybe i have it in me to do that um and was invited to go on a summer trip with our very organization. That was, oh, goodness, I dare date myself. That was (laughs) 99 (laughs) for the first time. Um, So just being invited to do that was a huge step for me. Um, I, at the time, had asthma, and the place that I was invited to go to was at a high elevation, not good medical care. Um, and my parents were willing to let me go, but they, were, they had legitimate concerns about the location because of my uh, condition with asthma. So, part of uh, the, inner, the invitation, it was all done in community. I had a group of people around me who were also invited. And one of those people, uh, when I told them of my parents, Reservations asked me, "Well, Marcy, do you believe God can heal you of your asthma?" And I looked at the per- this person and thought, "Well, yeah, of course He can heal me of my asthma. He's God." So that person prayed for me right then and there, asking God to heal me. And believe it or not, my asthma was taken away. God healed me of my asthma. So that was like the the last um, the last holdup the thing holding me back from saying yes uh, to that trip.
1: Okay, um, and, I'm, and- I'm, I'm kind of pulling this from uh, the talk I heard you give um, to our, our students that were thinking about long-term work the other day. If you were going to rate your willingness, like before all this happens, like your willingness to go overseas on a scale of like 10, I'm dying raring to go and like a zero, like you'll never get me on a plane. Where were you at in that process?
2: Oh, Okay, you had to throw the plane part in there, James. Um, my kids don't know this about me yet, but I detest flying. Uh, so it's always a, like one. If you want to go get on a plane? My willingness is a one. I do. I go <laughs> out of obedience. But I detest it. Um, at that point, though, um, well, okay, so... Before God healed me of my asthma, I had one of the strangest experiences of my life. And that I, as close to hearing the audible voice of God, I did hear the audible voice of God as close as the person can get to that. And James it was just, Marcy's
0: always been the more uh, charismatic of the two of us. I'll just put that, <laughs> point that out. <laughs> no, just kidding.
2: Uh, I was driving down the road and I just, uh, I distinctly remember hearing the word go. And it that compelled me. And you know, if if God is going to show up in such a way, how can I refuse? So I I can't put a number on my willingness because everything in my flesh, I was scared to death. But when you encounter God, what what else can you do but say yes?
1: Mhm. Yeah, in the words of a the king there is power. Yeah. So, you went overseas uh, just a short summer trip, right? Or was it?
2: It was just a short summer trip. It felt long because everything was new to me the sights, the sounds, the smells, mm-hmm. the language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came back from that trip and I ended up going with our very organization the following two summers as well.
1: Okay. Um, and by
2: that point, I guess you could say I got the bug and I had encountered people who. When I said the name of Jesus, there were multiple people who said, oh, yeah, he's that big fat man in the red suit with the white beard. Right. And just confusing our savior, our our savior with Santa was just heartbreaking. So by that point, um, I was ready to plant myself down there in order to tell people the good news of Jesus. So I did go back with the same program Brad did um the different she said she
0: got the bug i think she got a lot of bugs there too.
2: (laughs) i prefer not to talk about certain of those bugs though
1: (laughs) yeah so you guys so then you guys through god's providence you met at training tall dark handsome man lovely young lady and then you'll have a commitment that you couldn't date for the next two years right
0: Mm-hmm. Which we kept, by the way. <laughs> we did. In case anybody's listening that <laughs> wants to hold us to that.
1: Yeah. So were there were there sparks? Did they fly? How did how did y'all how did y'all come to be?
0: That, I mean, that, wow. that I'll let each of us speak for ourselves. Um, there, I, there was a mutual interest and respect. You know, in that sense of, I, I on my part, I'll say, you know, that I said, wow, this is a really godly woman. I'd like to get to know more. Um, but, you know, certainly with a two year commitment of not dating ahead of me, there was no romantic sparks allowed to fly in my, in my heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: And while Brad could, could say that I, on the other hand, can multitask a little bit more and have multiple boxes open. So while I was committed and, uh, planning on going for two years, I could still, you know, pray a lot about this guy I had just met. And yeah, but I was patient and we communicated back in those days. It was email about once a month, was all. And then we graduated to writing letters, you know, the things that you put in envelopes and put a stamp on and put in the mail. And pretty, there was also put a, little,
1: put a little square of perfume on it. And.
2: Uh. <laughs> i did mail him cookies one time that were probably crumbs by the time they got there
1: My problem. we, My were, problem we were. were in
2: the same country at the point but this yeah those away. were the
0: days of dial-up so we you know there was no video chatting and all this stuff we do now there it was uh-huh. you could maybe kind of aol like old school sort of aol chat message and uh-huh. you could write a letter and mail it and that was about it or send an email Mm -hmm. with no pictures attached (laughs) because it would take about 20 minutes for that dial up to send it if you put a picture in there
1: Uh uh-huh yeah so you really are
0: dating ourselves aren't we Marcy we are (laughs) we're dating ourselves but we weren't dating back then that's I want to distinguish those two things
1: that's right so when did so when did y'all finally when did you really turn on the painter charm and winter heart
0: well, we were both at a conference. Uh, this is maybe had about six months, five six months to go in our terms, and we were both in another country at at a conference. That's when I mean, you know, she'll say she was in the back for she was multitasking and thinking about these things a little bit. I think that was when I started to really think seriously, like, hmm, maybe, maybe this is the one. And so we left that conference, and I began to. She skipped all her meetings. By the way, I just want to get all the the uh, dirt out here about this. She skipped I her meetings.
2: She didn't,
0: she didn't. She hung out at the pool with me instead of going to some meetings.
2: So
0: we'll just send that up to the organizational leadership. But, um, anyways, after after those fun moments hanging out, then we uh, yeah I started praying and considering. We kind of kept in touch, and it was probably a month or two later that we had this sort of awkward, define the relationship kind of conversation.
2: Part of that, he thought he wanted, he was going to give me time and space to warm up to the idea of maybe a relationship with him. I was already warmed up and getting impatient at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I skipped all the meetings for him, right? That's to communicate something. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you sent him cookies. That should have been the the, the thing. But well,
2: okay, that came a little bit later. Oh, yeah.
1: okay. So yeah, <laughs>
0: so he needed. I thought it. we were talking about mission stories. Here we're getting a little yeah, too much into exactly. romance, James. Well, Is this every, what you're interested in hearing yeah, about. <laughs> every every
1: single missionary needs to figure out how they're going to you know meet the one and uh, and go back to the field as a married couple. So you guys you guys finally found a mutual interest. You both left the field sparks fly, run off in a lope. How'd you get from, how'd you get from there to to back, to back as a married couple, um, back overseas?
0: So we, at the very end, in fact, on her way out, she came and visited the location I was at. And we were, we had, that was when we were starting to have serious conversations. And so I will say she was, she had ended her term. She was on her way out. I was in like the last couple of weeks of my term and we did go out on a date. So The last two weeks of my term i broke the rules but we'll just keep that between us and the hundreds of people that listen to this um but (laughs) where am i going oh this is kind of another sovereignty of god thing we were both invited to work at the same the campus ministry that i was a part of as a student almost separately because when kevin the the gentleman who was running that ministry found out that we were dating he contacted me and said, Hey, I I was gonna ask her to to join. Is that cool? Like, are you okay? And I think, yeah, that's very cool. I, I'm great if she's she's also a part of that the ministry. So it that was kind of a easier decision to go there and work together. And within a few months we got engaged. We were kind of on the fast track.
1: Yeah. Once you know and then
0: you know. We, Yeah. And then we got married. We went to this place uh it was kind of like a slightly classier than it wasn't eloping, but it was slightly classier than like going to Vegas or something like that. So we did we did the fast track and the we didn't want some big fancy wedding. So we did it kind of low-key. But um, yeah, and almost was, in, go ahead.
2: The truth was we'd just gotten back from East Asia, Central Asia, and we were experiencing decision fatigue just going into Walmart, trying to come up with all of the answers to all of the countless questions and decisions surrounding a wedding we did not have a us, so we just went someplace where other people made all of those decisions for us and we got to have the fun of having really close friends and special people in our lives around us for the weekend
1: that sounds that sounds uh genius
0: mm-hmm. but almost immediately then we started talking about going back overseas we still still had that desire and that calling and so we waited that you had to wait one year till after you were married from when you were married to go back with the organization we were working with. And it was like one year to the day, we were headed off to the orientation. So okay. we, uh, we kind of fast-tracked everything.
1: Gotcha. And did y'all already have some seminary? Because I know you had to have some to go. Or did you pick um, it up on the field?
0: With the program that we did, you didn't need any at oh. that point. But I, I I kind of was getting it piece by piece as we went here. I, I was on the uh, decade-plus seminary track. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. A lot of people go to school for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. Kind of that thing. It's a lot of people go to seminary for eleven years. That that was sort of my track.
1: Yeah, gotcha. And so then you went back, and you went back to where you were at, right, Brad?
0: Correct. Yes. Uh,
1: Marcy, what was that like? Because you you'd love you'd you'd been with your people group. What was that like? Adopting a new people group, marrying into a new people group.
2: I think the biggest difference was the people group that I was living among as a single, they were Buddhists. Mm-hmm. And Brad had been living among a Muslim people group. So simply learning how to share with a different worldview, um, how to share the gospel, that was challenging in, in and of itself. Within the first 24 hours that we had landed um in our new home, uh, Brad's former location, I remember going over to the family's house and they served us this lavish dinner. And I, I found myself agreeing with the guy that was talking with Brad. He spoke English and he kept saying, he kept referencing God. And I was thinking, yes, 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 that's right. And I, then I was just caught up short thinking, no, he, he's not talking about the God who sent Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. He's talking about Allah, the one whom you have to live a really good life in order to gain uh, to be granted eternal life with God in heaven. So it was just a completely different worldview that I, I had to adjust to uh, and learn how to share in. The other piece, too, as you put it, James, marrying into a different people group, was Brad had two years of language um, to my one day. So, on one hand, that removed any competition because I know that for some couples who go to, to learn a new language together, there's Competition that can create conflict in their marriage. Well, Brad was just two years ahead of me. Uh, that was just a fact. It was reality. But it, there was that tension between, okay, how much can I lean on him to help me with language, and how much do I just need to put in the the grunt work and get it done? Mm-hmm. So, being married to Brad, who did that, val- I'm so thankful that Brad valued language like he did, and he was also kind of able to help me learn a way of learning language Mm. um that 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 was a priority for us as a family Mm. and to to echo what you said earlier there's not a single minute of language learning that I can look back on and regret Mm. because all of that grunt work uh and it's, it's hard so you graduate from college feeling like you're a somewhat educated person to go and start learning at that point I was on my a uh, third language, you so feel like a two and three-year-old. It's mm-hmm. humbling. It's not comfortable, but oh, it produces fruit.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Now, were y'all barefoot language learners, or were you maybe, maybe Brad, you need to sit down and teach me how to learn a language?
0: <laughs> well, the the second go round, the first when I was there, single, I was at a, a college, so I was taking classes. The second go round, we did tutors because I was actually working for a business Um, but Marcy had a spouse visa so she had she just did tutoring and and I would in my spare time I would do some tutoring so that's uh, honestly that was probably more fruitful than the school situation the school situation you know it's they're very uh, bookish in their teaching but with the tutor you can kind of tell them what you want to do.
1: Well Brad and Marcy I would say that's probably a good time to wrap it up for the day we will continue the interview with you guys next week uh, we really appreciate y'all being with us today
0: yeah look forward to sharing more next week james yeah, thanks, thanks much. James.
1: thank you guys and uh, podcast listeners if y'all had a chance and could give us a rating on your uh, podcast listening device application of your choice we would appreciate that that's a big help to us and we will see you guys next week <music>